0: And so, if you're here today for the first time, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. If you're back today for the first time in a long time, we want to welcome you back. Um, We build this kind of within our church as March Madness Sunday. Um, We're going to do some things at the end of the service today that we don't typically do at the end of the service. We don't typically give out a $50 gift card uh, to four random people um, at the end of every service. So, I'm sorry, this is just for this Sunday. We also do not, I promise you we do not typically do this, we do not typically have a portable basketball goal uh, to shoot a couple free throws to see about winning ACC tournament tickets. Uh, We tip, I promise you we don't do that either um, every week, but we just want to do a couple of extra things today. We will feed you at the conclusion of the service today. Now, if it was up to me, we would do that every week, all right? We we do it every fifth Sunday uh, and then on special days. Today is one of those special days and we are so grateful that you are here today. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we planted this church about five and a half years ago. And uh, my wife, Sarah, here, and my girls. Good to see all the students up here. In the, or not all the students, but some of the ladies up here in the front row. Good to see y'all. Uh, thank you for being here today. The, our students just had a two-day uh, retreat that they went on, uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, metamorphosis retreat here in Durham. It's really a collective of, Jeff, would you say 15 churches, maybe even more, Uh 18 churches there uh, locally that came together for a youth rally uh, Friday and Saturday night, and so we praise the Lord for that. Thankful for Bethel Christian Center hosting that, and so our our students were able to have a great time. We are in the middle of a series in the book of Galatians, okay, so we're going to step out of that series today, but really the book of Galatians speaks a lot to uh, what I want to speak on today. Uh, But we're going to move to the book of Romans instead. And so we'll be in the book of Romans if you want to. uh, If you have your Bibles, great. Um, You don't have to. But if you do, Romans in chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning. But the book of Galatians is Paul writing to a group of churches that he had just visited on his missionary journey. His first missionary journey. And he is making sure that they have a grasp of, number one, who he was as an apostle, and number two, his message, which was that Jesus was here to save everyone, no matter their uh, classification, uh, their ethnic classification, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter their race, that Jesus saves everyone, and so he is somewhat in the same way in the book of Romans, even going deeper into that, unpacking what we call The gospel. The gospel literally means the good news. The book of Romans, just on an academic level this morning, is kind of broken down like this. The first three chapters of the book of Romans highlight our condition in sin. And we don't really like to talk about that, but uh, that's the first three chapters of Romans uh, kind of highlights that. Chapter 4 in Romans acknowledges that faith has always been the key. Faith has always been the answer. Uh, sin is the problem, faith is the answer, okay? And then in chapter 5, which is where we're going to be, Romans chapter 5 is actually one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. In chapter 5 in the book of Romans, we talk about new life from a new love. New life from a new love. And so we're, we're born in sin, Romans 1 through, five, one through 3. Uh, 4, we acknowledge that it is by grace through faith. And then in chapter 5, we highlight what does this new life and this new love really look like. And so the title of today's sermon is simply, What is Love? The answer is not, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. You know I had to get a song reference in today. Um, I want us to walk together this morning down a path of discovering this concept called love. I'm going to spoil it for you right here in the opener. We're going to get done today and I'm not going to probably give you a specific working definition of what love is. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Kind of the beauty of it. Culture portrays love sensually probably first. We're all um, older in here if if someone is going to make love we don't think about oh that means they're going to go and have a picnic and they're going to you know talk about their plans for the next 15 years of life no when we talk about love in our culture we kind of primarily go towards the sensual side of love it's often really if we were honest and since we're in church, you've got to be honest. You can. Here's a cool thing. If you're new to church, if you're outside of church, you can lie all you want to. If you're in church, you can't lie in church. That's not true. Uh, don't lie anytime. But we're in church. We're definitely not going to lie. Love is often equated with lust. Really. In our, in our culture, in our society, it's oftentimes equated with lust. And it may not be directly equated. And we may not, we may not be that obvious with it. But I would actually argue... And if we're going to look up what love means, what better place than Cosmopolitan magazine, right? So Sarah Calvert, who's a psychosexual and relationship therapist and psychotherapist, in a 2020 article in The Cosmopolitan, says this: Be- it's up there, there you go. Being in love is associated with intense feelings of passion, infatuation, obsession, and lust. That's from the mouth of, what would be a secular, uh, psychosexual, and relationship therapist. Bless her heart. But culture pr- portrays love in a sensual manner. And then, if not in a sensual manner, culture portrays love more reactionary. So, think about it like this. It's based upon... Someone else's actions toward you. They were kind to me. They did this for me. They helped me out in this way. They added value to my life in this way and that way. And so therefore, I love them because of what they did for me. You show me love, and I will love you back. It's a reactionary love and may i say this at the very base of human society i hope we have reactionary love like i hope at the very base level of who we are no matter how how uh, much of a struggle that we're in that the people that love us first that we reciprocate that love in return you know i think of myself as a teenager oftentimes my uh, my in my rebellious Uh, I I try to say my rebellious stages of a teenager. That was basically from 6th grade to 12th grade. So like, it was all one big stage for me. Um, But one big rebellious stage as a teenager. I'm sure there were times where my parents were saying, we are showing you, telling you, and obviously loving you, and you are not acknowledging and reciprocating that love. So I think about that in our culture today. It's a reaction. I think we can all agree, though, that These and many other explanations of love kind of fall short. If I were to ask you the question this morning, what is love? What is love? To a human being who desperately desires to be loved, sensuality is fading, and it falls short. Reciprocal love is based upon the actions of another. So it just falls short. And I could go on this morning with other, I believe, explanations of love from a secular culture perspective. And I think if we were all honest with ourselves this morning, we would say that all of those explanations of love don't hit the mark. They don't get to where love really needs to go. There's a longing for something deeper. And may I even this morning... Say it this way, I believe there's a longing for something spiritual. And I mean that in, honestly, the most common use of that word. That there's, there's a desire for love, not on the physical level, but on the spiritual level. And I, this morning, especially if you are a guest today and someone invited you to be here, it's obvious that I don't know your story For some of you that have been coming to our church for a while, I don't know all the ins and outs and details of your stories either. So I don't know where you're at on your journey today, and I don't know where you are when it comes to uh, religion and spirituality, just to be honest with you. But I want you to know that today in this building that God has brought us together, that you're among friends. And we have a statement that we make here quite often, and that is that you matter to God. God. And you matter to us. God loves you, as we're going to unpack this morning. And therefore, we as a church, because we are called to be ambassadors of God, we also love you this morning, the best we know how. And so we're going to unpack this concept of love from the book of Romans in chapter 5, If you have a Bible, that's great. If not, if you have a Bible app, that's great. If not, the verses are going to be up on the screen behind me. We're going to begin in verse verse 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Some of that might, be Christianese, and it might not make sense right now, I want to do my best in just the next couple minutes to unpack what this text is telling us this morning. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, would you speak through your word, would you open um, our our eyes and our ears and our hearts to hear your message this morning, and I pray that if, uh, if you speak to someone on that spiritual level this morning, that we respond in faith in Jesus, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see, first of all, from this text this morning, if you look back in Romans chapter 5, the universal need for love. The universal need for love. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the, the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. We... I, and I stopped it there because we're going to continue in our next point. But when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the, the ungodly. And in and, and verse 7, it's saying for a righteous man, man scarcely would someone die. Maybe perhaps for a good man, someone wouldn't even dare to die. What it's alluding to there is no one's definitely going to die for a bad person. Someone might die for a good person. You might die for someone you, a, a close family member or someone that you, but, but for a bad person, no one's going to die for them. If we were to continue down in this, uh, in our chapter, we would find the origin of this need for love. And it's found in verse 12 of the same chapter in Romans chapter 5, and that word is sin. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. Thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Sin invaded the world. Sin invaded my life, and I have to be honest with you today. If you're under the sound of my voice, sin invaded your life. We all have something in common, and that is that we were born into this world, and we were born what the Bible calls a sinner. Now, we don't like to be called that. Um, and that's it's obviously not something that's pleasant. But maybe we can all take a deep breath and we can think that, man, okay, I'm the same as everybody else in here. I've done wrong just like they've done wrong. They've done wrong just like I've done wrong. May I say this? I'm a pastor. I've been in full-time ministry for coming up on 17 years this June. And I sin. And I've sinned and I'm sinning just like you. Does that make sense this morning? We are all in that same boat. The need for love is a universal need because what causes the need for love is our sin. I'm not here to give you a, a, a history lesson, but back in the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, there was ultimate love because God came down in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve every day in the cool of the day and he walked with them and he fellowshiped with them and he had ultimate love with them. And sin interrupted that beautiful relationship. Sin interrupted. And so this morning, you have a need for love, and I have a need for love, and it's universal because every single one of us have fallen short. We have all sinned. Listen, this morning, I'm not here to... Uh, Turn this into a confessional. You couldn't handle it, okay? I'm not going to do that to you. We got food to eat. We have places to go. We don't have time this morning for me to begin confessing to you. But the fact is this. Sin invaded the world and created a need for love. Sin invaded my life and created a need for love. And sin invaded your life. And it created a need for love. It has been said that there is a God-sized hole in the heart of every person. A desperate cry for love. A cry for acceptance. A cry for adoption. A cry for a father. And that God-sized hole can only be filled with God so we have a a need we all have a universal need we are not uncommon in our universal need but the text didn't finish there in fact the text gets really good the second point I want to make this morning the universal need for love secondly the unrivaled person with love the unrivaled person with love before we go to our text in Romans chapter 5, I want us to see something in 1 John in chapter 4, this this unrivaled person with love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. He tells us to love. Okay, well what does that look like, God? For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He Who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I told you at the beginning of the sermon today that I was not going to do a good job of giving you a working definition of what love is. And that is because I simply can tell you this. The best way the Bible defines love is it instructs us to look at God and everything that he is and all of his attributes, and his beauty, and his holiness, and his love, and even his wrath, and even his everything about him. And that is love. God is love. And you say, Josh, that didn't really help me get anywhere. I, I understand that. I'm just telling you the biblical working definition of love is that everything that God embodies, that is what it is. So with that in mind, let's look back in our text in Romans chapter 5. So with the fact that that everything that God embodies is love, look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. You see, all that God is, All that he embodies, he wanted to demonstrate it to us, human beings. He demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God says, I am love, everything about me embodies the word love. I want to demonstrate that to human beings in their sin. And while they are still sinners, I want to come and demonstrate my love to them. And he did it in the person of Jesus Christ. And once again, I'm not here today to try to theologically sort everything out for you. But God is one person that exists in three people. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the Son of God. And may I just plainly put it this way. God demonstrated or the Word really has the vibe of showcased His love to us in Christ. And so what I want us to see, and we'll just keep it on the screen for the rest of this point, is Jesus is love showcased. Jesus is love showcased. So, walk with me. God is everything that embodies love. God is love. God wanted to demonstrate or showcase that love to you and to me. And he did it in the person of Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus was sent and was born on this earth and most of us, I would say, in the month of December, uh, we celebrated uh, Christmas. I hope we did. Some of us, some of you, got better toys than others, I guess. Um, and and Christmas Day, Christmas December the twenty fifth every year is the acknowledgment by believers that Jesus Christ came and was born. He was born. We highlighted in our Christmas series. He was born supernaturally uh, of a virgin, a woman who had never known a man. He was born into this world and he came and he, he came to live 33 and a half years on this earth. The Bible tells us in this 33 and a half years he was tempted, just like you're tempted, just like I am tempted. He had every opportunity to sin, just like you have every opportunity to sin, and he didn't. He lived a perfect, sinless life and he brought love and grace to a deeply religious culture. And they hated him for it. They hated him for it. So this deeply religious culture that wanted to dot all the I's properly and cross all the T's properly, Jesus comes and he kind of messes up their plan to the point that they want to kill him. And they cry out To crucify him. And so Jesus possessing all the power that God has in him. But also possessing all the love that God was and God is. Humbly steps up to the cross and takes the nails in his hands and takes the nails in his feet. And he pays sin's penalty on the cross. The penalty that was reserved for me. The penalty that was reserved for you this morning. Jesus is love showcased. We're coming up, we're five weeks away from Easter Sunday. We're coming up on Easter Sunday where we celebrate another major day for those that would be followers of Jesus. That is the resurrection of Jesus. The, The gospel is not just that Jesus died for our sins, but is that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day and that he lives, that he's not confined to death as we would be in our human bodies, but that he rose. And by faith, we believe. Uh, I want us to see, just by way of review, we've had the universal need for love because we've sinned. We're all in desperate need of love. We have the unrivaled person with love. That is God demonstrating his love through Jesus. And then thirdly and lastly this morning, we have the unmatched result of love. The unmatched result of love. Look at back in our text in Romans chapter 5. We're walking right through it this morning. Look at verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from wrath through him. The truth is this, and those of you that have been in our church for a while know that I'm not lying when I say that I could take the next couple of hours and I could try to do my best to explain to you everything that you were afforded when Jesus saved you. Everything that happened as a result of experiencing this love this unmatched, this unrivaled love. I could spend a lot of time this morning going through all that that affords you. The list could go on forever. You're adopted into the family of God. Paul tells us that we become joint heirs with Christ, literally a brother or sister of Christ. Everything that God gives him, he gives us. All of our sin was taken from us and laid on Jesus. All the righteousness of God was taken and laid upon us. The result of his love. Scripture tells us in this text that we would be saved from wrath. And I've given you pretty much good news so far today. And I want to continue with the good news. But I have to be honest about the good news. The good news is this, that Jesus loves you with an undying love. It's the love of the Father. It is the love that God embodies. He loves you uniquely, the way you are. He doesn't want you, he doesn't ask you to do anything to earn his love. He loves you. Okay, he loves you. But in our sin, we have separated, we have been separated from God, the one who loves us. In fact, one of the the main curse of sin was an eternal separation from God. Not only did God cease coming down in the Garden of Eden every day and communing with Adam and Eve, but there was a separation there. i got to be honest with you, this morning in our sin, we're separated from him. And that's where the love of God showcased and demonstrated through the man of Jesus. His son comes into play. God sent his son to pay the penalty of sin, which we deserve for us. and what's the result? The result is that we if we will come into this relationship with Jesus, if we will experience his love if we will believe on his name, if we will put our faith and trust in him that we will be saved from that wrath that is to come. You see, in our sin we were separated from God. If we die in our sin, we are eternally separated from God. It's semi complicated actually in scripture. But you've heard of a place called hell. You probably in your Bible may have seen the word Hades and different uh, iterations of it. But at the end of the day, all we know is this. That if we die in our sin, we die without Christ. And we're eternally separated from him. And the result of experiencing the love of God, the, exult, the result of, of placing our faith and trust in him, the result of coming into a relationship with Jesus, is that we will be saved from that wrath. We will be unified with him. The Bible says this for the believer, for the follower of Jesus to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what has to take place this morning and we're done? My Bible's closed. My iPad is off. So now what? What is love? Okay, God is... Love is everything that God embodies. And it was demonstrated and showcased in his son Jesus for you personally, for me personally. But what has to be done? Jesus came, the book of Mark chapter one tells us he came and he preached this message. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. So today what I'm calling on you to do if you've never experienced this love that God offers you through His Son Jesus is to repent. You say, Joshua, the, the word repent means a change of mind and a change of heart. Okay? And I believe that leads to a change of action and a change of direction. But I do acknowledge 100% that repentance is a change of mind and a change of heart and in its initiation. It's for you to come to the point where you say, my mind was made up. I was this. I was not a believer or I had never believed or maybe I knew academically, but I have never experienced the love of Christ. I was thinking this, and now I repent of that, and and then I believe. I place my trust. I take that step of faith, and I believe in Jesus and Jesus only, both for my eternal salvation to spare me, from the wrath that's to come, and also to give me new life here on this earth. I want to encourage you, if you are new and you're interested in studying the Bible with us, in the book of Galatians over the next few weeks, we're going to get into Galatians chapter 5, where we really talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh. There's a whole lot that we can talk about. But the only thing I'll tell you is this, in one sentence, that Jesus has a new life to give you, not just eternally, But like here on this earth, a new perspective, a new mind, a new heart, a new spirit. He has it for you. So I invite you today. I said at the very beginning, you're among friends. We love you. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. You're among friends this morning. And I I really do want to ask you, before we have some fun. Before we have some food, it's the same thing to me, food and fun. <laughs> Will you look in your heart, and as we close the service today, I want to ask you, have you experienced the good news? And that is that Jesus loves you so much, that he didn't want to leave you in your sin, that he died for you. That he rose again for you. Would you believe it this morning? You say, Josh, what's what's the danger in not believing it this morning? According to our text, there's a wrath that's to come. You can take that and and, and you you can explain that to yourself however you want to. I can tell you what I believe the Bible teaches about that wrath is to come and none of it's good. So, Josh, what if I just leave this on the table and I do nothing with this, what you just preached today? That's fine. There is a wrath that is to come. And I hate it this morning that there will be people who choose to experience that. They choose to die in their sin. But there are others who choose to repent of their sin, to give Jesus their sin, And to experience new life in him, they will be saved from the wrath that's to come. I invite you to that today. If you're here for the first time, there could be nothing that would thrill my heart as the lead pastor of this church, the hearts of the people who invest in this church and that come to this church and love this church. There will be nothing more celebratory than one person saying, I want to make that decision today. I want to follow Jesus. I want to experience his love. I want to give you an opportunity to do that without embarrassing you this morning. I promise you, you have my word. I'm looking at, not looking at every single one of you, but I'm doing my best, all right, uh, not to embarrass anyone this morning. I do want to give you an opportunity. Is that fair? Is that fair that I give you an opportunity? The most important message that I ever that I will ever preach from this book is the message of God's word of, of, of the gospel, the good news. So this morning, would you do this? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystone If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.